theoretical listeners, welcome to Four Feckless Friends, broadcasting tonight from each of our basements and headphones. We really appreciate you joining in with us uh, today for our discussion on what the hell we've been up to, what we've been thinking about, and what we're working on. Uh, tonight, we've got three of the Feckless Friends currently online with uh, Rudy Incognito. Uh, we've got me, Finney, uh, Ben, and Mike. And we're going to hopefully have a very lively and interesting discussion. All right, let's go. Ben, have you had anything this month that has been really great? Are you really proud of? Um, so there's two things, one of which I have uh, engaged and one of which I still need to do some research on. But um, both of them came from listening to different podcasts by the same podcast uh, person, I guess. Um, so ID10T, which is Chris Harvick's podcast. And it's one of the ones, you know, the kind of, it's mostly like celebrity interviews and stuff. So it's kind of evergreen um, stuff. So I don't, it's not one I have to listen to at any certain time or whatever. So kind of if I have a lull, I kind of listen to some or whatever. So this is two that I had from like December or something I listened to. So whatever that is, seven months, six months after they aired or whatever. And both of them were names I never heard of. So it kind of wasn't a huge hurt. And for whatever reason, I like to listen to stuff in order, even though it doesn't matter. Or whatever. It's not serialized so, or whatever, but... Who's this Chris Hartford guy? What kind of podcast it is? Chris Hardwick. The content. Chris Hardwick. The content so, is. Pardon? Nothing. Sorry. No. Oh. It's just like he has, has a he calls it a conversation. He has these celebrities over at his house and they have a conversation and it's like an hour, hour and a half, or whatever. These are pretty good conversations. It's always it's always the people I don't think I will like are the ones I like. The podcasts I like a lot, I guess. It is talk about you know they have something to plug usually, but then they just kind of talk about life and that kind of meander stuff and some I don't know usually some pretty deep conversations, which is pretty good. So the two. The one that I've uh, actualized, I guess, is um, the guy's name is Bob Roth, and he is um, Transcendental Meditation, I believe is what it's called. Um, so he's probably in his 70s-ish or whatever, and so in the 60s, he was like a Berkeley kid and then went out to India and trained with the Maharaji, which is the guy that invented this form of meditation. Um, <clears throat> I was listening to this thing, and it's kind of talking about, it's kind of going, you know, not a rough period in life or whatever but um had some changes at work so i kind of got a lot more responsibility and then as a father of a three-year-old there's kind of a lot of external stresses and it kind of felt like i was kind of getting mad all the time about stuff that was kind of out of my control and i just kind of was not didn't like it i guess um so listening to this interview i kind of reached or kind of did a little on my own stuff so then i ended up downloading the headspace app which is kind of these short kind of guided meditations so i'm kind of still working my way through it i've done it for about three weeks ish i want to say three Four weeks so it's like 10 15 minutes a day i've been doing kind of in the morning um like mid-morning i guess um just kind of going through the basics program but it's been great and it's kind of being able to um just kind of you know and it's, just, it's so even without you know uh not during the meditation sessions but if i'm kind of getting frustrated or stressed up and kind of just you kind of sit back and kind of close your eyes for a second and kind of just kind of clear everything and kind of refocus so it's been it's been great um you know uh Obviously, just kind of going through all the basic courses in it right now, but um, it's 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 been very helpful, and I am going to be committed to it. I think for a long term. I know we talked about it whatever the other day, so I know you you're definitely into this, Andrew. Yeah, that made me so happy um, to hear you to hear you tell me that you were using it, and and actually um, around the fire uh, at one point, I think five or six people we were all doing some kind of practice of meditation. It was um, me, Norm you maria my sister uh and kirsten 
and one other person, I think. Oh, Molly, my cousin. So yeah, six of us had engaged in some practice of meditation, and it might have been one or two the, the year before if we would have surveyed us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that I feel you know can benefit anybody who puts time into it, just a little bit of time. And uh, and and it's the the effect that it has while meditating and like immediately after is mostly pretty clear to people like they get that a little like right away you know they can see the benefit but the effect that it has over time and doing it consistently on the time when you're not meditating right is what's really powerful about it and i was wanted to ask you if you have noticed anything like throughout the day um that it's been affecting other than just like the time immediately during or after um, yeah, so um, it's definitely a um, not calming, I guess, but um, I've kind of taken it as to kind of um, don't. I'm generally an anxious person by nature, so um, kind of I've tried. I've definitely noticed it being not so much anxious about stuff that I have absolutely literally no control over or whatever, um, and just kind of realizing that things um, that I've been, you know, whatever things I'm involved in, you know, I don't have full control over and or don't um, lose sight of what I have control over and, you know, make the changes that I can make. Um, but if there's a change I can't make based on because I don't have control over the part of it, um, don't, um, you know, don't lose sleep over it or don't get too anxious about it. So it's kind of more of a, um, just kind of overall kind of trying to relax more, I guess, in life, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and, and you know, actually, that, that makes a lot of sense and the letting go of control is something that we can relearn in so many different ways again and again and again and actually uh when when norm and i were talking like the next day or after you left or something and we were talking about the changes we've been making and and the and and the some of the reasons you wanted to make that change about the anger and how that can affect the people in your family and your life and that the bedtime thing you talked about was really powerful too um with with your son but how all those things we, we thought it's so cool you're doing what you're doing because you're breaking the chain you're yeah. taking these things that have happened to us in our lives that result in us behaving in less than ideal ways and we see why those happen because of the, our parents usually something that was hard for them dealing with us and then we make a choice to break that chain for the next generation or in the way that we impact the people around us if it's not our kids and that's one of the things I thought was so cool yeah um, so one thing um, after you know if you had a particularly rough day at work or whatever, you know, come home and pour a glass of wine or you know rip a shot or something right away just kind of like alright I needed that just to calm myself and now kind of found you know non-substance ways to kind of calm down even though during the day instead of you know building it up all day and you know waiting to get home to 5.30 or whatever 6 to you know let loose or whatever so kind of um, um, kind of uh, intermittently release pressure throughout the day instead of letting it all build and doing a big release at night I guess absolutely absolutely I mean most of the time when we're using chemicals in unhealthy ways it's because there's a feeling that we don't want to feel or that we don't want to think of the thought we don't want to think about you know Um, yeah and meditation just teaches you how to sit with those uncomfortable feelings and thoughts or to let them go or you know both I guess 
Exactly. Mike, um, is there anything that you've consciously thought like, hey, I don't want, this was the way it was when I was growing up and I don't want it to be that way for my kids? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, yelling, like, uh, anger. The, a lot of, a lot of things like, I guess that you just think it's personal traits of, of your parents or yourself that you think would come through that, that you see in just general parenting. A lot of times you'll, you'll react a certain way and be like, oh, well, I should probably should have done, probably shouldn't have like reacted by yelling because then they're going to come back yelling. But a lot of that was stuff that I think I, I saw as I was growing up too. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I worry about that a lot because like I'm someone who, although in public, like I can, I'm, I can be very, you know, uh, nice and people like being around me and stuff like with my family I tend to m- more of my critical and just like reactionary and like not so great side comes out and I worry about that a lot if I had kids um, that they would that would rub off on them you know and be, be you know make them not understand why is daddy acting that way he's yelling for no reason you know <laughs> uh, but the stuff that I thought about for not passing along has also been like what are the val like what are your goals in life like because like my parents like are great loving wonderful people but like they don't seem to have really any other goals other than like have enough money to go travel and party and have your kids be okay too and like i i just kind of have thought a lot about lately how my kids being better off than I am is like, hey, being able to cope with the world and 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 better than I can, you know, like have the tools of like meditation or something so that you can like live in your own head in a more productive way. You know, it's not so tough. You know? And I think um, the, the that phrase, you know, better are are you better off than your parents? I think when everybody says that they always interpret it to be financially or economically or whatever you know a bigger house better job this kind of stuff but and that, i think that's the way most people interpret that question but that's the way i say that it's interesting um you can have a better life um or be better off uh you mean have a healthier mental state or whatever or um, there's other ways huh. other metrics than money i guess when people lose track of that i think a lot in a lot of situations yeah yeah that's what i've been thinking about a lot lately because like of course you want your kids to be okay financially. Like, of course you do. But, like, I don't need to have more money than my parents had. It, we, we had more than enough. In fact, like, I've talked recently with Kirsten about how, although I don't wish, like, our lives had been any different, we actually probably are worse off for our lack of adversity in which we have had. Because, <laughs> like, if you haven't done stuff that's hard... Well, then when it's time to do hard stuff, you're not as good at it. A lot of times. Absolutely. Yeah. I always think about, you know, where I went to school versus where my son's going to school. Just the, the, you know, the diversity is going to be wildly different. I think it's good for him to be live in a world that actually looks like the world and not the world as it is in the suburbs or whatever. Yeah, 
chance to, to go against you. They're growth opportunities. Yeah. I So I, I often talk, you know, we, we were all from Minnesota, right? So, like, part of being from Minnesota is that you have to tell yourself why it's nice to live in a place that's so cold <laughs> and hurts your face. Because if you don't come up with these reasons, you just can't deal with it, right? Um, but... I, some of the reasons I've come up with that actually have kind of refined themselves over time is that when you have a group of people that all have to go through a daily adversity of dealing with that cold for that many months, and in generally they, they are successful in dealing with that adversity, like, you know, you get through the day and back to your warm house and you're like, oh, thank God, you know, um, uh, that's really good for you like to have to deal with something like that and that's why we have a certain character to people who are from places like that um and and also the fact that like if you don't get help from your neighbors like if someone's walking down the road in january at night you should probably stop to ask them if they need help because otherwise they might die you know like you know it's not that way when it's 60 degrees out you know um i think that's one of the reasons why minnesota is so great (laughs) One of the many. <laughs> yeah. Remember, Finney, an airplane always takes off against the wind. I don't... Is it, I don't... What does that mean? I don't know how planes work. <laughs> don't they just take off in the direction of the runway? <laughs> no. They always go against the wind. Have you been, like, reading too many successory posters? Or, or... <laughs> I know. It's like, is that ancient ancient Chinese proverb? Airplanes always take off against the wind. <laughs> Confucius say. Yeah. I don't think. Is, where'd you get that? Is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. You, huh. you land. You land against. You land with the wind. You take off against it. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean applied to this? That it's good to struggle. I think your headwinds. Yeah. Your headwinds make you rise or whatever. Yeah, that, that was. <laughs> I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty clear what I meant. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that analogy. <laughs> well, you're bad at this. No, no, it's fine. I, 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 yeah. um, cool. Well, um, Mike, since you're so bad at this, it's your turn now. <laughs> Has there been anything uh, that you've really uh, enjoyed that's been really great that's happened in the last month or, or anything that um, you're really proud of? Uh, I, I tried thinking of something, and I've been focused on this goddamn boat test. Uh, <laughs> but we, we locked—I we, locked down some really good business for next year in 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 my in my job. So that's that's been like a a good a good tailwind, if you will, Finny. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's living in Ohio, the birthplace of flight. That's what's going on. I get no, it. they were born there, but the, they flew the plane in North Carolina. I know it's very contentious between both states. No, but it, it, it's been it's been more positive than than uh, than the last, but say the six months before before like this month, because <laughs> I haven't been hitting my number at all, and now I've I finally got something something positive coming for next year. So. That's been that's been pretty good, and I, I, having having my brother here who has been been really good too. It's like we're we're getting we're getting pretty settled in Ohio, and then having him up here has been helping to having 
kids have like uh, regular friends and regular playdates has been pretty cool, but nothing, uh, I don't know. I didn't have any better answer for you. Well, I think that, I mean, having your brother there is a big thing. I mean, you've been living away from family for how long now? Eight, ten, yeah, eight years in Atlanta now, almost two years here, a year and a half, so almost yeah. ten years ago. And now you're within an hour of each other? Oh, no, he's ten minutes. Oh, no way, I didn't know that. I don't think I knew that either. That's great, man. And you and your brother are honestly like kind of closer than you and your parents in a way. I mean, you three, three of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I recall. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is, is a big thing to be, even if it's just something that's like more your awareness right now because you just had that holiday it's still only been in the last year that you've had this going on right that he's lived there yeah he just moved uh, like six months ago so i i think that's huge i mean that's why we're moving home i mean because it's living apart from your family although it's something i always aspired to do because they drive me fucking crazy um it's uh, you just I, I, we really are feel disconnected here and Kirsten always like knew it and for me like I'm out connecting to people all day but like you just don't it's not the same as having the people you've known your whole life around you yeah exactly that's it, it, my, my parents like moved away for eight years they moved out to Connecticut that's where I was born and, and then moved back to Minnesota and and that we enjoyed some of the time we had in Atlanta and now we're like, we're really enjoying Ohio, but it's still not Minnesota. And we know that we got to move back. It's that's probably like one of the hardest things is like Steven, they're, they're pretty clear about probably never living in Minnesota because Valley and her, her parents and their, like their side. And I, I don't know when, if Megan, when or if Megan and Jake, we're kind of like we're definitely going it's just a matter of is it two years or five years and I don't know if I don't know I think it'll hopefully Minnesota will bring everyone back but that's that's like I miss those years those were best years of my life we're living in Minnesota Well, you just wait till January, motherfuckers. Hey, you guys forget how quickly. <laughs> Not just January. How about like November through like, I mean, shit. No, yeah, this year is like through April. Um, you got like, two feet of snow in April. I crashed it hot on my car. Yeah, whatever happened with that? I mean, we're Gucci. It's it's we're all good. Are you driving the same car? Yep. Rebuilt it. More or less. Half the body's new. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I've been, been, you know, talking a lot about moving home on this trip because, like, we decided we were going to do it kind of on our drive home from our Christmas trip home to Minnesota, so back to Michigan, and, and I started thinking, um, and by the end of January... I had a I had come up with like a method of getting us home, um, in that like Kirsten would get a job and I would start mushroom farming and get a job uh, on the side if I needed to, 
And in this trip, telling people about it more and finding people who not only, like, was everyone like, oh, that sounds like a great idea, but so many people want to help or be directly involved that that just convinces me more and more it's the right move and and makes me want to go home more and more. Uh, And seeing the excitement that they, some of these people get and that I get when I'm talking to them about it um, also just makes it feel very real and almost like I'm like tapping into some kind of source of energy. It just like really feels great when I'm really like considering it and speaking about it with other people who are excited about it. And so like, I'm really excited to, to, to get it moving and, and make this a real thing rather than something I'm just pretending to do. Well, welcome, welcome, we'll welcome you back for sure. <laughs> oh, you're going to be the accountant on the side if you don't mind. You can do my <laughs> books, right, Ben? I can. <laughs> cool, yeah. When, uh, when Tony McGee hired his first employee, it was like an accountant secretary named Robin. And, and she said, well, do you have your books? Can I check them out? And he walked to his uh, little red pickup truck and grabbed a garbage bag, like a, a grocery bag, and filled it up with all the receipts and brought it to her. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to be better than that. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, for me, that, that I mean, I, I've had a really great month. and But, like, the trip home and... and just being uh, with all these people who were, were so supportive of what we're going to do, as well as exploring some new ways of getting there, um, has been very exciting. I also read a book called The Hacking of the American Mind, um, which I don't think I talked about in the last podcast. Right, Ben? Uh, I don't, I don't, did we talk about this? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I think we talked about it off pod. But. Yeah, so the, the, the Hacking of the American He's an endocrinologist who studies the metabolic system. And for this book, he actually went to law school to be um, educated enough to be able to, to write it. And what it's talking about is how essentially the um, American diet and um, media and that we consume and our like, kind of shopping behaviors, all these things that we, 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 we buy and consume in one way or another, um, are biologically making us sick, uh, fat, depressed, and, uh, and, um, and just not well, right? And essentially the theory is that we engage in reward-seeking, dopamine-driving behavior since birth, right? It, um, other than just like the natural kind. So dopamine is like the pleasure um, the neurotransmitter and when we do anything we, we get a little hit of dopamine right but when you do like cocaine you get a bunch more dopamine or alcohol or sugar for that matter um, and when you drive dopamine too hard it activates cortisol which is the hormone and that inhibits your prefrontal cortex uh, which is kind of like your decision making skills so you don't make as good of decisions um, and you also inhibit uh, serotonin, which is like that contentment or happiness neurotransmitter. Um, so 
essentially by engaging in so many hedonistic pleasure-seeking behaviors, we are making it biologically much less likely for us to attain actual happiness. Um, and by being given sugar, since we're little infants, um, in, like in, in formula, like formula is 50% sugar, the kind that Wick provides, or juice, which Wick also provides, juice or the fucking five... Juice is horrible. It's worse than soda. Um, or, or the, the um, five sodas I would buy every day for my school cafeteria, you know? Like, right, yeah. Um, we're, we're making ourselves, um, you know, metabolically unwell because sugar is actually a toxin, an addictive toxin, more so than a food. Um, and we, and then he wrote a whole different book on that. Um, and then we're making it so we're more likely to drive an addictive behavior and more likely to be depressed and make worse decisions. Um, so the sugar plays into when you get your first cell phone <laughs> and like that, you know, Facebook is that same dopamine driving behavior. And there have been studies done with students taking an SAT-like test and they take this test, one, one condition in a room by themselves with no phone and another condition in a room by themselves with their phone, but it's off. And in the condition where it's off, they do 20% worse. <laughs> so what does that imply about all the decisions we make every day? I have no idea if my decisions are better or worse than they were 10 years ago before I had this phone. I mean, I'm not drunk, but like, I don't know. This phone pretty does some crazy things to me too. So really, yeah. So it's really um, essentially showing how our, then it talks into how the government and companies manipulate that intentionally and make us confuse happiness with pleasure and just talks about a couple ways that you can um, unhack your mind because there are professionals who have figured out whether it be through your app or through your food how to hit your pleasure point and make you buy or consume more. They talk about, I forget where, but even like um, the way that the grocery store is laid out is designed to maximize um, sales or whatever. So they start... You start, you go through the produce, everything's fresh, you know, and kind of get this, you know, oh, everything, you know, everything's, you know, fresh and, you know, that kind of thing or whatever. And then obviously you have to go all the way through everything to get to the, the real, you know, the milk is always in the back because that's the most purchasing or whatever. So it's like, you know, they can um, know how well human tendency is um, and they can market around it or just even just the layout of a store can drive sales just by knowing um, human behavior, I guess. Well, and the, all the healthy, pretty stuff is at the front, right? Yep. And so you feel like you've done all your healthy shopping, then you go and let yourself buy everything else. Is someone <laughs> else's alarm going off, or is that... Going off? Uh-oh, my alarm's going off on oh. my phone. Sorry. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, it's, it, your, your shopping experience is designed... Experience is designed, and our minds just weren't really made to this and then they're not working as well as they should be because we've been fed a drug our entire lives and told it's a food um and essentially sugar is proving to like they just a study came out this week about how it causes some types of cancer it feeds others and they're starting to think that alzheimer's is diabetes of the brain Essentially, it's the glial cells develop insulin resistance. And so by eating all the sugar, you're also increasing your 
risk for diabetes, or excuse me, uh, for, for uh, Alzheimer's. And so, you know, there's only so much um, change that we can adapt to in a limited period of time or whatever. So I, this we came up in a different context um, of, um, in like fantasy stories, usually, you know, like technology doesn't change for like tens of thousands of years or whatever. It's always swords or whatever. And nothing ever improves. Um, you blanked out after it came out in a different context. <clears throat> um, uh, I was talking about how in like fantasy stories, the technology never improves over like tens of thousands of years. Um, the the uh, the culture is always kind of stagnant or whatever, and so for most of human history that was true until whatever you know, fourteen hundreds or thirteen hundreds or whatever, and then like, like gunpowder, then it was kind of more or less the same with you know incremental adjustments until you know really the late eighteen hundreds with the industrial revolution, and then the past you know one hundred and fifty one hundred and twenty years how wide you know. You could take somebody from 1400 and drop them into 800, you know, it's more or less roughly the same, living conditions and that kind of stuff. But if you took, you know, somebody from this time and you dropped them, you know, 30 years ago, it's a wildly different world. And then, you know, growing up through this um, kind of talks about how um, people can't handle that much change that quickly and how it just has kind of uh, led to a lot of, uh, I guess, general problems with the, with the adaptation to the new world or whatever well especially when you're talking about like how we perceive it like even like going from a horseback to a car like you see the world differently because you're moving through it faster right Mm -hmm. um but when you talk about how what like what our focus is on like before you got on uh, mike we were talking about the twins game and how ben had on the background and how he couldn't look away from TVs with sports on when he's in a room with them. Even if he does not give a fuck about what's on that television. I watched Tour de France at a bar for like two hours the other day. <laughs> Twins win, by the way. They did. <laughs> that's, that's pretty bad. Those are two big wins back yesterday in the day. But it's like, I'm the same way. If a TV's in the room and I get my eye on it, I'll watch sports and I don't give a fuck about it. It's because it's a essentially a drug that's being broadcast into our bar or living room or in your case Ben into your bedroom when you were a child oh yeah yeah exactly and you fell asleep with it on yeah we keep we have that discussion every once in a while every six months or something when it's like should we put a TV in our bedroom and it's like and it's like no what's this a terrible idea there's nothing good about it you have it in there now no good job I mean there was every, the hookups everything that we could easily do it you know in a day but just you don't you know we, you don't, you don't, you don't need to yep. so we we have one in ours by default of like like moving ones around and turned it on today for the first time in probably three months <laughs> and it didn't work <laughs> Karma. Well, I'm sorry your TV broke but it's a blessing <laughs> in disguise it's time no, you shouldn't have those drugs in your room <laughs> The worst, the worst part, or best part, I don't know, but there's a uh, there's a TV stand that's still in a box, like, right underneath it. <laughs> but even, you know, I think it started probably when I was really little, not really little, like, elementary age, I guess. Um, and my mom would read to us till we fell asleep, fell asleep, 
And then, you know, there's three of us, so she probably couldn't do it to everybody. So we started doing books on tape to fall asleep. And that's kind of through middle school. And then I had, um, uh, like, a, a stereo system. So I listened to the radio to fall asleep. And then I you know, moved into, you know, used, before podcasts, I guess, they had the like, online radio. So you could, you know, download the, or just listen or stream, like, radio shows that had occurred during the day and just listen to them at night. So I did that. So, I mean, it was, you know, from some time, probably, you know, six or seven to, you know, when I moved in with my wife at 30, that I always had some sort of programming noise or whatever playing while I fell asleep, fell asleep every night. And so, I, you know, I just, I, for it would play all night. You know, I'd wake up, it would, you know, some, like some would turn off just when they ended, but a lot of that stuff would just play all night or whatever. My brother still does it to this day. When I, we shared hotel rooms. A couple of weeks ago, when we went up to see my sister, and I was like, "It's like, you know, I was like, oh, you're still doing this." I was like, "Well, I, whatever his age, I was still doing it, and I don't, I don't think that's a very healthy way to sleep and just to, or to kind of, um, I guess I don't know. There's a point in there somewhere, kind and, of. Well, not only like is it shown that that disrupts your sleep, even if you sleep through it, like all the different jolts and everything makes it so you kind of come out of it a little bit, but. The like the the reason, at least for me, that I needed stuff to go on when I was falling asleep, or in once I went to college, that I needed to get fucked up every night before I went to sleep, was because we don't want to be, or I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts, yeah, and think about all the stuff that would keep me up at night, right? Right. Uh, and so just becoming addicted to um, not being able to sit with something. is is um is understandable but um you know people didn't have that you can't read a book before you fall asleep you know a hundred years ago you could listen to the wind right yeah yeah the rainfall Um, but then if you still have trouble falling asleep the sleep stuff in headspace like the one-time individual units or whatever Mm -hmm. are great i did doing them as a habit makes it so you don't even need them anymore I did do one the other night. Um, it worked pretty well. Um, I'm just not sure how realistic it is with the two of us in the same room sleeping to do it or whatever at different times or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Kirsten doesn't care. She just falls asleep to anything or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah. We I... usually have a, well, not usually, but staggered bedtime some nights. And more or less, I tried it just because I had I had an opportunity to use it, and so I was like, let's give it a shot. And, uh, I like it. There's, I mean, I got that. I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm still going through all these basics courses or whatever. But um, and there's way more to that app that I'll figure out as I keep going through it. But there's there's a ton of stuff in there. Ton of stuff, yeah. Um. All right. Well, I. Should, should we move on to is there anything that has been especially difficult or trying um, for you this month Ben there really hasn't been it's kind of the the evergreen um, work related one where um, so over the past call it two-ish years I've kind of absorbed three FTE so I'm kind of doing so doing the job of the same job that four people did two years ago if that makes sense how, the way to say it 
Um, so it, it, it did, so this kind of, it all more or less culminated probably end of January-ish, I want to say, is kind of when everything shook out, and then there's another change with that. Had some effect on me, but not as much. It's kind of more of a, a say, voluntary uh, terminations um, that just never got, the positions just never got reposted or whatever. Um, so it took me a while. I'd probably say two, three months almost. This is probably a, you know, a month or two ago. I kind of had to, you know, okay, this is just the new normal, right? Um, used to have, you know, probably two years ago, I was probably working at probably 75-ish percent um, optimal or whatever. And then probably a year ago, probably up to like 90%. And now I'm probably at like 110, 120%. Um, so it's just, you told me a couple of years ago you were working at 25%, then. That's what you told me around the camera. That's when, 25%. So, so I had my, my Monday was my work with my six-year anniversary at the company. And that first... So after I, so it probably took me six-ish months to kind of get up to speed with you know how everything worked, and then probably literally that 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 second six to nine months, um, like literally nothing happened. So when I started uh, the portfolio that I worked on was like thirty-two million dollars, um, and nobody was doing. There were two lenders, neither of them were bringing anything new in, so I kind of did I was kind of maintenance stuff. And I was making up my own projects. Like I was like, this is a thing that I think is interesting and I want to figure out how to do it or whatever. So I just kind of go out and start doing research and kind of building some spreadsheets and kind of trying to figure some stuff out. So kind of just, you know, if I'm, if I'm at work, you know, there's no work just because nobody's doing anything. You know, I can certainly um, try to teach myself, you know, something new or try to improve uh, my, you know, just uh, get better at Excel, get better at some other things so I can kind of, you know, if it's not here, it's somewhere else. I'll be able to do um, a, a, a little more work. Um, and I saw. I, uh, I looked at even just leaving. You know, like, you know, a year into the job, I was like, "This just this is not going to work. There's just nothing going on." And then, like literally, I was like starting to interview at jobs. And then they hired a new person who I guess it was at the time I reported to directly at Change shortly thereafter. But um, I was like, "Okay, no, this is this is how you run this thing." So, so that was, was like thirty. So I say thirty-ish million was my portfolio six years ago. Um, so with all the additional add-ons that I've picked up, it's probably 150 million today. Um, so whatever that metric is, five times as busy, I guess. Um, oh, fucking yeah. So, um, so it, it took me a while. I would just come home and complain and be like, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to do this. And then this past week, I really had an epiphany. Um, so I kind of work with uh, four lenders primarily. Um, Roughly the same space, just kind of different. Uh, two C and I, which is like equipment lending and lines of credit and that kind of stuff. Uh, one just straight leasing, just so just equipment, and then uh, one small business guy, kind of just has all, just a, everything that's, you know, across the board. So they kind of you know they're all in roughly the, the underwriting is all roughly the same. There's just some little quirks here or there, but. Um, I was get started to get you know you know they could sit by my desk or call me be like hey where's this at hey where's this at hey where's this at and it's like you know I got you know I was kind of like oh you know it's on the list I'll get to whatever so I got to the point where I was like you know it's got to be legit people it's like hey you know it's on my list probably not this week maybe next week but it's probably I'll get it done this month you know kind of thing or whatever and just you know maybe I'll I think 
uh, it took everybody, I think, a little bit to realize, and we had a pretty big uh, riff, so we're kind of our, uh, they probably laid off a quarter-ish of the company, um, just across, there's kind of a couple people here or there in about, just about every department across the entire company. Um, so our efficiency ratio is the key now, so it's basically how many dollars do you make for how many dollars you spend on salary uh, is the new metric we're going for. Um, so I think everybody kind of had to, as I refer to the new normal, this is just the way it's going to operate. You know, used to be I had one guy I was doing 90% of my work for, and you know he'd say, "Hey, I got this new deal." I, you know, he'd send it to me. I'd, you know, do a quick look at it. You know, in that hour, and then I had the whole thing done. You know, the next day or the next the day after. So the turnaround would be like, you know, max, you know, two days or three days. And now it's a month, right? So I think they just all have to, uh, and that they have. So it kind of went from a major stress to it's kind of started just, and I got through, June was crazy busy. I kind of got through that. I got a vacation coming up in a couple of weeks that I'm looking forward to. So I got two weeks here to really bang stuff up. This past week, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just, the way I organized my work schedule and just got enough done for each of the people, I kind of did one or two deals for kind of everybody. Um, so I didn't feel left out that I didn't do something from that week or whatever. So I kind of just um, have really been able to, um, uh, I guess, uh, learn how to operate in a uh, high leverage uh, or busy scenario. And it, it, it took me a while. And I was thinking, well, you know, I think the thing you said, Ben, about, about how you had to tell people, hey, this is how it's going to be. It's going to be longer. And like you had to. It's hard um, to do to, like, to change the way you like, engage with people. That, yeah, it's that's the really hard part, and I think that that's the thing that to to focus on how you can take this epiphany further is like when not only being honest with people and open with people, but when you're doing that and saying, "Hey, I'm not going to be able to get this done for you in time," you're admitting to yourself and the world that, "Hey, you might be the all star, but you can't do everything." And yeah, you might be yeah. really fucking good at this, but you're not perfect, and that's the hard thing and the really valuable thing that I, I took from what you said. So you know, it's at the end of the day, the industry is customer service, right? You, you know, your customer comes in, they say, "Hey, I want to do X, Y, Z." You know, can you do it? And they, you know, they have a business they run in, so they need to, you know, buy this piece of equipment. You know, because once the sooner they get the piece of equipment in and running, then they're making money off of it. You know, growing their business. So you know, obviously, you want to be as receptive to your customers as possible. Um, so there's that level as, you know, as the organization, but then there's also my level within that is, you know, I think of it as my customers are the lenders I work with. So I'm trying to also, you know, customer service at that level. Um, and then, um, so there's, uh, not only, you know, uh, new loans or, uh, renewals or that kind of stuff, but there's this ongoing portfolio maintenance. If we get financials in every month, I got to look at it, make sure we're not, you know, I think people lose sight of that part of it a lot, you know, um, we're, you know, we're not just getting the information just to put it in the file, but we also have to look at it and be like, hey, you know, there's a problem here. We probably should, you know, go have a meeting and say, hey, this looks down, you know, what's going on, that kind of stuff. So there's, um, it's not so much as, you know, even just getting stuff, you know, new deals, but there's a lot. Of, so trying to, um, and it's just time management. And you have never been, you know, they always talk about how, this is something I, People have said, you know, when we were in college or when I was in college, just that, you know, the only way, the way you succeed in college is time management. You know, there's more than enough time in the day to get everything done. You just have to sit down and figure out the best way to do it. And I was like, no, screw that. I'm just going to start smoking or drinking or whatever. You know, go to class and then, whatever, and then start smoking or drinking or whatever. You know, it'll figure, figure itself out. And, you know, obviously it didn't or whatever. It took a while for it to do, I guess. 
Um, so I've never really had to develop that part of my process, thinking process as to appropriately manage my time. So it, it, and it, uh, I think I've gotten a lot better at it. Really, I think this past week was really a, a key one, but the past month or so was pretty helpful in just trying to think about um, how to organize your time, which is tough, but, you know, but, um, but obviously important. I like I like that. I'm really bad at time management too. But the the, the excuse that I give myself and everyone else and, and everyone else is that I don't have time for that. And I've decided to not say that anymore because it's not true. Um, I I have the same amount of time as everyone else. It's right. how I choose to spend it. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. Like and and that's the whole thing about like me maybe risking you know a lot of money to start a business is like. Well, I can always make more money. I'm pretty good at it. If I'm if I'm like physically and mentally capable, like I, I can make money, but I can never buy more time. And this so, is how I want to spend my time. Finite resource. Exactly. Um, well, I think that's really good, Ben. Um, even though it has been difficult. Uh, Mike, has there been anything that has been very difficult or straining for you in the last month? Or just even mildly difficult? Yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah. I I think you should go first, Vinny. Okay, I can do that. Um, so uh, I've had a really uh, great month for for the most part. Um, but uh, the uh, the thing that's been difficult has been uh, that I when I left for my trip home, I set up, I stayed up fucking all night getting everything set up, getting the watering system for my garden set up outside and the watering system for my garden set up inside and I was not well rested and I was, I was stayed up all night to do it and I did not test my gardening system, either of them actually, but the one inside didn't work and my mother plants and um, they, my, two out of three of my mother plants died and one out of four of my pepper plants and one of these strands I've been growing for six years. So, like, in the scale of things that are difficult in life, very, very, very low on that scale, right? But um, as far as, like, oh, I'm really kind of sad about that, um, yeah, I'm kind of sad about that. Yeah. It's frustrating when you put in that much work and sacrifice that kind of time or whatever, and then it just doesn't work. It's, It's frustrating. Well, you know, it is. But I was planning on doing one more grow before I had to start shutting this thing down because I want to move and right. this is going to take some time and you, you guys are I don't know if you haven't seen it Ben but Mike's seen it it's got fucking I've got like ventilation connecting to three different tents and just shit all over the basement and no one's going to buy a house where they see a bunch of weed growing <laughs> shit oh I don't know <laughs> might be a positive market is a little more limited if people want to grow weed they'll look at the house and be like oh this house is tight for growing yeah that's pretty professional I mean like <laughs> I would mark it towards that. Partly unfinished basement. <laughs> um, so there's definitely a, a good side to that. Um, but uh, one of the plants did survive. And I don't know if I've talked to both of you about the fact that I have read a lot of stuff on plant intelligence lately and have got some crazy ideas in my head that maybe plants are intelligent. We, we talked about this last month, but, but I don't think Mike was on. 
Um, well, Mike, it's more than I'm going to go into right here, but it's something I would love to <laughs> listen to. The, to listen to the last one's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but uh, anyway, after I, I, I kind of been exploring this idea, I went down and I, I always have headphones on when I work on the garden. I took my headphones off and for one night I just tried to be really mindful while I was working and like theoretically like listen to them. And I've definitely been talking to them more lately. And I had this thought in my that, that well the thought came into my head that did not feel like my own thought so much it wasn't like oh for sure this is a message from this other being <laughs> but it just like was like you know i was exploring the idea and this thought felt a little different than my own and it was like we want to go outside and I, so i started thinking about it. it's like well that makes sense i mean if plants are sentient beings they want to check out the sun yeah. and like the other plants they communicate with and bugs and all kinds of shit well huh, and then I was thinking, like, well, what would I need to do to make that happen? Like, I, well, I'd need to find a place that had sun but was hidden from the public, and i need to be able to get back and forth from there so that I could check on it, make sure it was still alive, and then harvest the weed at the end, and da-da-da-da-da, and, like, thinking through all this shit, and then I get an even louder message in my head that did not feel like my own even more so, and I said, we want to be outside. And I realized, Oh, they want to be outside. That's really like grow weed for me. Like my objective is not the same as my 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 plant allies' objective necessarily. Like yeast doesn't make beer just because I want to drink it. Yeast wants to eat sugar and make more yeast. Yeah. And uh, and so I uh, have been. It, this has contributed to me thinking this way more. So I'm growing mushrooms, and a bunch of mushrooms like grew while I was gone, and like you know, sporulated, and are now like we're rotting on the on the mushroom logs outside. And and I didn't, I wasn't pissed at all. I was like, sweet, those mushrooms got to do what they're trying to do. Um, and so that that's been kind of neat. And one of the mother plants did make it. So I, Kirsten said it's okay if I grow it in this little corner where no one can really see it outside. So I might, I might actually get weed off of it and then plant it in the ground, or I might just let it live its days outside in a new big pot. I'll, I'll have to ask it and see what, what it wants. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, is there? did you think of anything, or, or did you want to talk about anything that was, was difficult for you this month? You can pass if you want to. I, I might pass. I... But I was going to say the same thing of like, I've had a hell of a time trying to water my grass and keep it alive, but that's a pretty weak excuse after what you just told. So I. I, I <laughs> Ask the grass what's Look, missing. I mean, it's more like putting a sprinkler out when I get home at like 5 o'clock. No. <laughs> well, I can give you some advice, two pieces of advice. One, timer and a sprinkler, right? And a hose. Two, I don't know what you've been feeding your lawn, but just go light on the, the herbicide pesticide line of the Scott's product. <laughs> Not feeding your lawn poison. I just sprayed crabgrass destroyer this morning. Bros. <laughs> Dude, I I I want to tell you this in all seriousness though. Um it just uh so you know, um when I was at the, the last time I was at the pancreas doctor, everything's looking really good and everything. 
Um, audience, if you're not aware, I was diagnosed with pancreatitis probably because of hard living and drugs and mostly drinking. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Sex, yeah. drugs, and rock and roll. Earned it. Uh, but uh, one of the things the doctor was talking about was pesticide exposure and this stuff. And I was like, well, I've got plenty of that shit. I mean, <laughs> broken bottles in the aisles and when I was running my lawnmower business and shit. Um, and so, like, there's no way they'll ever be able to tell if it was from that or not. Um, I, I don't think, right? But um, but it, a lot of the people I was talking to who knew the way I drank were kind of like, and, and our doctors and stuff, were, like, kind of surprised that I would get pancreatitis from the amount I drank, although it was a lot it wasn't pancreatitis a lot maybe um but if it was combined with cigarette smoking and pesticide exposure um that adds up a little more i think legally i didn't tell that to you and you don't know it i just wanted to tell you as a friend not as a person who works for that company (laughs) bad if you have to delete it delete it (laughs) (laughs) well they have all the advertisements for the uh the non-selective guy being a Although those they run those like every night, I feel like. But the the you get them all the time. Uh, like the class action lawsuit to uh, if you have any of these diseases, you know, call us and we'll get you on the uh, class action one. I know you told me about that. I haven't looked it up yet. Is, did you notice that pancreatitis is one of the diseases? No, it was, I, think it was, I think it was cancer. cancer. I think it was a couple kind of different, a couple different kinds of cancer. Yeah, well, but, but who knows? But, but yeah. again, that's one particular herbicide when there's. A million of them out there, or pesticides, or whatever. Yeah. No. <clears throat> Mike, you might as well just start looking for a new field of business. Just work for it and uh, you know something else. So like cornstarch, <laughs> the cornstarch weed killer. I'm trying to get out of the beer business, man. I'm sick of selling like something that I don't think is all that great. Like I want to sell something that like I like. I'm I'm really about Lagunitas, but like the way that we portray our options for like. Oh, what, what a drug is or what a drug isn't and how good it is for you or not like it's just so untrue and it wasn't dr- working for log and that made me start thinking this way it was this thing about sugar and how like sugar which is in all of our food like my two slices of bread have 10 grams of sh- sugar in them and it's poisonous to us and it's a drug and that, that's the understanding I've come to it that, that it's been really kind of good I think but if, 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 if we were given the options of, like, sugar, alcohol, marijuana, meth, you know, uh, mushrooms, acid, all the drugs were in a store. And there was just a one-page sheet on, like, this is what it does to you. These are the short-term risks. These are the long-term risks. We wouldn't choose alcohol and sugar primarily. Most people wouldn't do it. And that's kind of the what made me think, like, oh, I should sell something that's, like, good for people. I don't know if you've has happened in any of your guys' locations. You, uh, this is just, I guess, applies to cigarettes, but Edina did it. And I think Minneapolis did it and some of the other on a city-by-city city basis. And I think the state's talking about it, but uh, they raised the age to purchase tobacco products to 21 in a lot of places around here now. Yeah. Well, why, why should you be able to make a stupid decision? At, I mean, people say because you can go and line up for the military right. so you should be able to make whatever stupid decision you want at 18 um, I think that that's the only reason that argument exists is because we need to sign people up for the military while they're still young stupid and desperate I mean that's 
probably a controversial opinion, but... There, no, well, there was actually, uh, I want to say in the past week or so, there was some... Well, there are two things that came out, I guess. Um, one being to lower the uh, military enrollment age to 16. Um, huh. And the thought process um, was that <clears throat> for a lot of people, uh, you know, at 18, you know, this, you know, this is really the only option based on, you know, the family history or economics or whatever. Um, and then they said, but the, that decision being made at 18 is going to be probably the same decision made at 16. Um, you know the the stop loss is is really hard right now. I'm just getting people to sign up, so they said, "Hey, add another, whatever the number is of you know sixteen to seventeen year olds every year that are they're going to sign up in two years anyways. Might as well just get them now, and we can kind of you know indoctrinate them into the the culture." And then they, I don't think they would see combat until eighteen, but they would at least be uh, you know learn their go through boot camp and then learn their um, so they'd be a little more. Say technically qualified when they if they went to the battlefield at eighteen or nineteen. You can't legally drop out from school, but you can legally go and join up to kill people or be killed. Well, this is just a proposal. For- this is one of several. So, uh, former uh, Secretary Mattis, General Mattis, um, one of the things that he started doing. Um, he's out, you know, been in the military for whatever fifty, sixty years, or at this point, um, was working on um, trying to. Uh, you know, there's obviously a finite number of people who will join the military in uh, any state, whether we're in a war state or a peace state. Even though I'm not sure what peace state looks like at this point, I guess. Um, but um, trying to get people to enroll or uh, enlist in the military and then stay in the military is uh, exceptionally difficult right now. Um, probably because we've been at war, one of the wars for 18 years coming up on. So you could literally be born after nine eleven and be in Afghanistan and like in like six months, which is kind of crazy. We've been at war since Korea, but uh, we've been at that war for eighteen. Years. Yeah, that particular that particular war. Yeah, that's that's that. that yes, I mean, there's obviously fronts all over the place, but um, and then the other thing, um, and I don't I listen. There's a military ish podcast to listen to because I think the people are really really funny and it's just the. A sector of the American life that I have no experience dabbling in, um, so kind of gets so it's a good uh, trying to round out kind of a blind spot in my view on a lot of uh, things, uh, either political or uh, 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 worldview, I guess. Um, this other one was um, you couldn't so like infantry, so like army infantry, which is you know the main boots on the ground, people or whatever in most of the wars uh, and then the marines are kind of the two people on the ground for the most part doing most of the heavy fighting it'd be something like uh, you couldn't do that until you're 26 or something it was trying to um so it would kind of get you know think about the difference between an 18 year old and 26 year old uh developmentally and so yeah. the theory is that these people who have gone through you know some life experience you know, say non-military life experience so they um know how to do a lot of things just on their own you know or whatever or can you know not just you know straight to follow orders you know they have some because the theory you know the thought process behind it is that you know you get at 18 or 16 or whatever it is you, you know you join the military you know as a out of high school the most part you have no idea how to do anything in life um actually so you learn how to do it the way the army does it which this is where the army thinks is the good way to do it but you know maybe it's not the best way to do it so you get a little more um uh, uh, 
life experience diversity into these people that are you know now interacting with each other and so they think maybe maybe more cohesive unit or you have people who have uh, are better fighters just because they can understand more stuff or whatever but it just seemed it is just uh interesting you know for since you know time immemorial it was whatever at least in the u.s you know 18 and you're in kind of thing or whatever and now it's you know the the army looks a lot different than it did obviously at any point in time probably in the past you know 30 40 50 years or whatever and this the well, trying to develop a new army i guess which i guess every defense secretary or army general is trying to develop you know new army not you know there's always the theory that you always fight the last war right but try to figure out how to fight the new war i guess which is a, a sad state but i think that's just the state of things at least for the near future yeah i i think that um having 26 year olds going to fighting instead of 18 year olds makes some sense because like even if you're just an individual soldier you need to be able to evaluate a situation and make decisions and maybe even show leadership and 18 year olds are generally not capable of doing that you know um, no absolutely yeah i mean yeah there are obviously some, but the most probably aren't yeah I don't know if how many um, 16-year-olds versus, or 18-year-olds versus 28-year-olds were torturing people in Abu Ghraib, um, but, you know, we could do a study and find out, probably. There's the, yeah, there's the, right, I was just following orders versus, no, this is stupid, I'm not going to do it. You know, I think an 18 versus a 26-year-old probably could make that decision a little easier, I guess. Yeah. But, again, I not I have no background in this, so maybe, this is just, uh, uh, but, it, so it seems to make sense, but. Um, you touched on something there, listening to a podcast that um, is like introduces you to a group of people, a culture, whatever, that you are not exposed to in everyday life, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that actually has been kind of difficult but also rewarding for me this month is that I'm trying to do that for myself with Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, so yeah. Can I, I with that meeting whatever the other day? Yeah, I, I quit drinking without doing any kind of group like that um i got a lot of help but it wasn't from those sources Mm -hmm. um and i've always been really against it because i studied psychology on my own time and in school a little bit and i i have studied addiction on my own time both through personal experience and through uh, academic nature um and and i i just i've also been really afraid for a long time that I was going to get sent to rehab, like when I was in college and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like the whole idea of AA was just something for a lot of reasons I have a lot of problems with. Plus, I've been an atheist for a, a long time, um, up until recently, I guess. Um, and uh, and I, the whole like God thing in there really didn't didn't uh, d- doesn't appeal to me. Um, but if I'm going to be helping people with addiction through this mushroom stuff, which I really want to do. Um, I'm going to be interacting with that community a lot. And if I'm going to be interacting with that community a lot, like there's people who will have had experiences with this organization and whether they're good or bad, I can't go into it just saying, Hey, like I, 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 am against that. I don't, I don't really know anything about it. I've never done it. I've never read the book, but I'm against it. Right. And, uh, and a lot of these like kind of hangups that I have, whether to be legit or not, were coming through in my conversations with Norm because he's been been doing that uh, religiously, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> um, but it's really been benefiting him. And, and then so I, to like get through um, 
so I can understand what he's doing more for my friend and so that I can be better at uh, the way I want to help people. And also so I can learn a thing or two, you know, and see what they have to offer because it does help a lot of people. Um, I've been reading the big book, and then I tried to go to a meeting with Norm, but there were only, uh, like, four of us and no leader, and so we just kind of sat in a uh, picnic bench and, and talked to each other. But Norm said it was nothing like a normal meeting, so I have not done that yet. Um, so, are you guys there? Yep. Good, I lost you uh, earlier. Um, I will start with the kids thing. We don't have any kids, nor are we expecting any. But I was lucky enough to get to be around um, some kids, a lot of kids over the 4th of July. And so, uh, I, I guess I was just going to start with, uh, you know, the, how fun it was for me to be around all these interesting little individuals um, I was around Harris, Ben's son, and he is just a very intelligent, insightful, um, uh, yeah, usually polite little man. Uh, and and my, my goddaughter, uh, Elsa, um, was up there, and she was uh, having a bunch of fun paddleboarding with me. And our dog had her first successful interaction with another dog in years uh, with my sister's dog she just got. So they were, became friends, and that was, I guess, if you call your dog your kid, which I don't, um, was it was it was a was a fun thing for me too over the last week. Good. Um, ben, Mike, did you guys have anything cool with your kids that happened, or that you've learned from them in the last month? You'd like to share? <clears throat> so there is. Um, so he's. Three-ish, three and a half, what, three, three years, three months, something like that. Um, so he's like a real person now or whatever, so you, know, you try to have, um, you know, real conversations with him, and they, for the most part, um, you know, you can, have, you can carry a conversation. Um, then we talked about, I think last, I don't know if I ever talked about last month or this with you in the past week ever, but the bedtime thing with, uh, he wants the mommy to do it every night. Whenever I do it, um, it's just, you know, screaming and kind of a fight and kind of just gets, ends up getting so tired he just kind of falls asleep. Or it's going with mom, you know, they read books and have fun and just kind of like a, it's like a wildly duopoly. So I kind of do this, try to, you know, do some kind of negotiation with them. Like, hey, you know, put your diaper and pajamas on, you know, um, you know, lay, you know, lay down. You know, mom will come up and check on you a little bit. Or if you just stay in bed, I'll go downstairs. And it's always, just, you know, so it's just... Um, so then I was listening to something the other day, and they're talking about um, this. Is the host was saying who doesn't have kids was saying you know oh you know if I had kids or when I have kids I was going to treat them like people and just you know have adult conversations with them. And the one the guest was a mom of I want to say a seven or eight year old or something. She goes you know that's great. The problem is they don't have the capacity to uh, process a lot of that stuff the way adults do. And she was saying, you know, I, I noticed this, in, uh, you know, I tried to do the, the bargaining or negotiations, and it just never took until he was, I don't even want to say four-ish. And I was saying, like, okay, you can finally understand, you know, this action has this consequence, or if I, you know, this action has this benefit. Um, and so, I, you know, I kind of th- was thinking about that, like, um, okay, so we're just not quite there yet. You know, I'm still kind of trying to pursue it, but just, you know, don't get, you know, it's like, you know, hey, dude, you know, I can get you to do what you want to do. You just have to do this thing for me also, you know, kind of thing. 
Um, so it's it's you know it work you know, there's some it works sometimes but not all the time. So it's just kind of uh, you know, <laughs> so you're you you're deceived into that you're interacting with a, like a rational negotiator. But really, he doesn't have those capabilities yet. There's the, some really the, good books on like or, cognitive. Yeah, or they're, they're, they're fledgling, or they're growing, but they're not, you know. And again, you know, just the, it gets so emotional. It's just, you know, obviously, when you're angry or sad or whatever his state of mind is, you, you, you can't obviously focus on things to the best of your ability or whatever, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of related to what I was talking about with uh, uh, dopamine driving cortisol, so you don't make as good decisions. Yeah. So it was just, um, it was a good little thing I kind of, you know, filed away in the old tickler file just to kind of think about, you know, don't get so frustrated um, when I'm making what I think is a very rational, coherent argument as to why you should do something. And he has none of it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what about you, Mike? You're muted. You're good? <laughs> he's muted. Oh, he's muted. He is talking. I'm good. It was kind of fun. It was kind of funny that night when he came over the fire. I don't know. Um, we were over at a uh, parent's house. Then we were going to go home. And I don't know if I was going to go out. I was kind of like, do I want to go out or not? Like, eh, I was kind of offensive about it. This goes... It wasn't even that late. I don't know. Whatever reason, I was. And then <clears throat> Sam was going to go to bed. She's like, you want, you want to go to, to Harris? She's like, you want to go to bed right now? Like, so he can negotiate or give options, I guess. This is kind of, you know, um, you want to go to bed right now with me or do you want to go to the fire with daddy? And he's like, I'm going to the fire with daddy. And so he says this a lot. Like he did it tonight. We were, we were both like cars over at a friend's house. We were having dinner at. And so we we're going to leave. And it's like, you want to go with daddy or mommy? I want to go with daddy. He's like, okay. So open the car door. And he's like, actually, I'm going to go with mommy. So that's that's fairly typical. He wants, you know, or even, um, like, you want to stay at the cabin with the Grammy tonight? Or I go over to the Beehive with Mommy and Daddy? He's like, I want to stay at the Grammy. It's like, okay. We start packing the car up or whatever, and it's like, actually, I want to go with Mommy. He's like, okay. So I was actually really surprised. You know, he does this kind of the, the starts on one path, and I'm like, no, nah, actually, I want to stay with Mommy. So I was actually pretty surprised that he went over, that he did want to go over. Um, I don't think he even knew what was happening. I mean, I guess he knows that campfire is generally, but... He knows about s'mores and stuff, but it's like, okay, you gotta, you know, put your jeans on and your sweater on and shoes and socks over. But it was just, it was, I don't know, it was kind of a fun little. I don't do that a lot with him, where it's just the two of us um, kind of hanging out, you know, outside the house. Um, so it's kind of fun to do that. He had a great well, time. Find, finding ways to hang out with your kid as you're like, you know, you're still, I mean, what, he's three years old or whatever, you're still like new at this, you know? Yeah. And like, <laughs> you want to do stuff with your kid and you and your dad. Do tons or did, you know, do and did tons right. of stuff together. And we keep like, talking, so maybe this summer, probably next summer, I think it'd be probably better just to um, throw a tent up in the woods or just even the backyard of the beehive and sleep out there one night or something, just to kind of start the kind of the, the outdoors camp and stuff, whatever, and just kind of have some dad sun yeah, time, absolutely. which is which is you know super fun. I mean, I love camping, and so it's trying to get, you know, obviously, at some point, you know, my wife doesn't care for it so much, so at some point in the next few years, it'll be just two of us going to just go off and for a weekend or something, it would be, would be really fun. Yeah, I, I, would, I would love that, but, and, um, but I 
imagine like it could be kind of stressful or like um, a little bit of a thing that you might like be concerned about and like what are we going to do together because like when you and your dad hang out you love it and it's great but it was always like forced hanging out doing what he wanted to do and him yelling about it like what I remember growing up I imagine that might, it's nice to see just go out and go to a fire and, and hang out it was fun I also loved the s'mores this was a big hit Whenever, so we have, uh, I guess we have, uh, our friends do, they do, uh, he just burns all the leaves that he rakes just in his backyard, so they do bonfires or whatever, sometimes we're over there, so there's, so break this, so s'mores, or fire equals s'mores is more or less the, the, the direct line that he makes right now, probably. Yep, hook him with some sugar, it works every time. Yep. Did you know that sugar is actually used in a, um, in a brisk so like in in a not in a brisk in a brisk they like, dip the pacifier in wine, but in hospitals they use this super concentrated sugar that they put on the pacifier because it's an effective pain reliever for babies because there's so much dopamine that goes to their brain from that little hit of sugar. Hmm. I mean I can't I would assume that would be extremely painful in hindsight. Uh, yeah I don't know I don't remember. But. That's why they do it like when they're a day old. Your brains don't even know what, you, don't, you don't even know what's happening right now. Hello. Hello. Andrew. Andrew. I'm gonna echo. Mike, you still there? Welcome back. Andrew? Hello? Hello? Yo! Hello? I'm cooking a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, Finney's back on, but he's not talked yet. So we were just talking about uh, kids, if you any... Uh, learn anything from your kids or any funny kid stories the past month or two, I guess. You got a breakfast sandwich? I'd love one. <laughs> kids stories. I don't think I got one. No. Andrew, are you back? So he's on. Hello? Hey. Oh, okay. Huh, that was weird. Yeah, it sounded like you died or something. Like there's there's a bunch of noises and then it, went, and then he's left. It's the second time that I uh, that I've gotten disconnected. I don't know. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Mike's making a breakfast sandwich. Uh, where did we leave off, or where where did uh, what were you guys talking about? Uh, Mike didn't have any kids stories, so I guess if you had any other topics, we can move on, or we're at an hour and 20-ish, you call it crazy. Cool. Well, I'm pretty good, I think, um, I, uh, successful talk, way to go, guys. Yeah. And I, I'm interested to hear more of your bedtime stuff, Ben, because when you talked about it on the fire, 
and tonight it's stuff that really uh, interests me. And I think it's a good, like, it's a challenge that although it's, like, applied to this one situation, it's really about, like, working on your own stuff. Um, so I think it's just a good thing to keep bringing up. Yeah. Well, I will keep you apprised of any progress or lack thereof we make. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. Uh, please uh, check our Twitter handle out, our Twitter page out at, uh, at Feckless Friends. And you can contact us uh, at Gmail at four, uh, the number four, fecklessfriends uh, at gmail.com. If you want to wrap up. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us, audience. And I hope that by next week, you found something better to do with your time. <laughs> Peace, guys. Peace.